Amen. As you know, we've been uh, uh, diving into a series on, on just the, the, the vision of the church and, and where we're going uh, as the body of Christ. Pastor Mike did an incredible job last week uh, on the topic of how we are to, to love God, and, and we're focusing on on, on what is most important for our church. How do we, how do we stay on track without uh, veering off course and, and going into a million different directions? And, and, and obviously the goal of the church is to get people to their final destination. And so we've been talking about what's most important to the church. And, and, and basically the vision of our church is very simple. It's just transforming lives for eternity by helping others to love God, love others, and serve. And so the purpose of our church is to help people grow in spiritual maturity and we never want to see you stop growing and so in order for us to keep growing we have to focus on what's most important and Jesus answered that question for us and so the the question for the church is is what does Jesus care about what is Jesus most concerned with for the life of the church and for your life Individually, And he answers that question for us in Matthew uh, 22. And what Jesus basically does, he's, he's asked the question, what, what are the most important commandments? What would you say is the most important commandments to God? Now, now if, if, if you understand in the word of God, there's over 613 commands. And what Jesus does is he boils them all down to two. Because he says, if you're doing these two, then everything else will fall into order. How many know when you focus on what's most important, it's interesting how the rest of our life falls into order. And so what God wants to do is he wants to be the center of your life because he knows that if he's placed in the right position in your heart, everything else in your life will fall into order. And sometimes you wonder, why does my life feel so discombobulated? What's going on? Why do I feel pulled? You ever feel like you're, you're pulled in a million different directions? When I was a kid, I had one of those toys, the, the Stretch Armstrong toys, and you could literally pull his arm from one end to the other, and you could stretch it out as far as you could until one day I broke it. But it was fun while it lasted. And sometimes you feel like that. You feel like your life is being stretched in, in so many different directions, and we get overwhelmed, and we get stressed out. And how many know that, that stress and trials are always going to be part of our lives? Can I hear an amen? You, you, how many know you can't add another hour to the day? It's 24 hours. It's always going to stay that way. You can't add. And, and we always say, well, when, when I become less busy, how many have ever bought that lie that we said, well, when my life becomes less busy, I'll take care of this, right? And that project still gets left undone, right? Because how many know something else fills that hole or that gap? So we know that our lives are going to be busy. We know they're going to be stressful. But it's how do we find that peace of God where God can be the center of our lives so that our lives don't become discombobulated even with the stress and the trials of our life? Because Jesus says, listen, I do want to give you peace. Because in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus does want to give you peace even in the midst of of your trials. And so as a church, the church is so prone to this very thing of going in a million different directions where we are so busy that we get burned out. And one of the core values that I want for our church is that we would have healthy individuals, healthy marriages, healthy spiritual lives, which is going to translate into what? A healthy church. And and and, and for you as your pastor, if you allow me to lead and feed you, you're going to have a healthy pastor, which is going to be able to lead a healthy church. Amen? 
if I'm stressed out, that's not a good thing, right? If, if our lives are stressed out, that's not a good thing for our marriages. That's not a good thing for our families. So we want to make sure that we focus on what is core. And so what Jesus does, he explains this to those that pose the question to him in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. And they ask him, they say, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall do what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Starts there with all your soul and with all your mind. This is, this is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall do what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two command, commandments depend all the law of all the prophets. Everything, everything hinges on these two things. If you're doing these two things right, then everything else will fall into place. So, so far, we looked at the importance of discipleship. Discipleship basically is just fellowship. It's, it's how am I growing in my walk with Jesus Christ? It, it's, it's a disciple is someone who has confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior and has believed in him by faith. It's someone who obeys Christ and listens to his word. A disciple loves God. Pastor Mike did a great job tackling that, that topic last week. A disciple is one who loves one another, like Jesus said. And a disciple is one who follows the example of Jesus who served. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if we're doing these things, and if we keep these at the core of our church, we will be a healthy church. And this is vital as a church that we, we're all on the same page and flowing in the right direction. All our ministries are flowing in the right direction, that we all have the same ambition, that we want to see people grow in their love for God. We want to see people grow in their love for one another. We want to see people serving in ministry, serving one another. That's the focus of our church and all our ministries. We're going to be flowing in the right direction. And how many know the difference between a river and a flood? A river flows in one direction, right? A flood goes all over the place. It overflows its banks. We were in Cuca a couple weeks ago. We saw the flood that happened there. If you remember watching the news back in May, they had seven inches of rain with, within like an hour and a half. And what happened was we talked to a gentleman there that lived there in the community. He said what happened was there was so much rain. There was four huge supercells that were like on a train track that went through Penyan. And one after the other dumping two inches of rain after two inches of rain. And it just... The, the way Penyan is situated at Cuca Lake, it's like these hills just flow right into that, to that town. And the streets became rivers. The, the, it, and what happened, he said, there was a, a, a beaver dam about a mile up, and that broke. And it just released all this water on top of all the water that was coming. And it flooded the streets. It, it flooded basements. And it just it devastated that town. They've cleaned up. It looks, it looks much better now. But what happened was there was so much rain at one time that it just became a flood. Everything overflowed its banks. And so if we're not careful as a church, if we're not flowing in the right direction, we end up flowing in a million different directions and it's not good for the health of the church. That's the difference between a fire that is in a fireplace and a fire that is out of the fireplace. One is in control. One keeps you warm. One looks nice to look at, and the other can kill. So without borders, whether for a river or a fire, it can be disastrous. We need boundaries within a church 
to keep us, specifically within this church, to keep us from going all over the place. We need to focus on what's most important. And by creating a process on how we do things will keep us focused and keep us like a river and not becoming a flood. So the question is, Pastor, how do we do this? How do we keep from going in a million different directions? And let me just say this. For, for many churches, and, and even our church, this is a danger because we can do a lot of things. And they may not, not necessarily be bad things. How do you know that you can do a lot of things in your life and they can be good things and you can still get burned out? For this reason, we don't know how to say no. And so we need to be able to look at ourselves at a church and say, what is most important for our church? The other church, other churches may be doing other things and that may be wonderful and that may be great. And what we may do is say, well, let's look at what they're doing. Let's add that to what we're already doing. Then we end up adding that on top of that, adding that on top of that and adding that on top of that. And they may be all good things, but they end up burning us all out including me, Pastor Barden, who's getting ready to turn 50 in a year and a half, okay? Because you can't do that. You've got to protect me, okay? I'm getting older. You got, I'm getting feeble. You've got to protect me from burnout, okay? So we've got to be careful. So, so the question is, how do we do this? And this is what we've been talking about, focusing on loving God. Pastor Mike talked about last week. We're going to talk about another topic today. We're going to talk about the last one up next week. So how do we, how do, we do this? Well, I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. If you've got your Bibles, you can look at the screens. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 because this is, this is vital. This is so important. It's just, a, it's, it's just a, a couple passages, but what Paul says in these two verses is vital to what he shared with young Timothy, who was a pastor who could easily got burned out if he wasn't focusing on the right thing. And he was within a church that were, were getting sidetracked on a bunch of things that really didn't matter, just a bunch of babble, a bunch of, bunch of conversations going in there that was sidetracking the church. And I want you to see what the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy. Paul the Apostle kind of looked at Timothy as his son. He, he nurtured him. He mentored him. He took him under his wing and uh, allowed him, as, as he was saved under Paul's ministry, just allowed him to grow and flourish as a pastor. And Paul did a great job mentoring young Timothy. And I want you to notice something. He writes this letter to him. These are the last words of 1 Timothy. Now, Paul is not sure if he's going to write another letter to him. He's not positive that he's going to write 2 Timothy. So these very well might be the last words that Paul says to Timothy. Now, how many know usually the last words that somebody says are usually the most important words? And I believe these are some vital words that Paul speaks to Timothy that should speak to us as a church on what we need to focus on and stay concentrated on and so we don't become a flood in our body. Listen to what he says. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 20 and 21. These are the last verses of his letter. And listen to, listen to Paul's word. I, I like the... The, the English Standard Version here, it, 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 it captures, I believe, a very good job of, of the heart of Paul when he says, Oh, Timothy. Have you ever done that with your kids when they've done something wrong? You're like, Oh, Colby. Oh, Wesley. Oh, Lily. I probably say that a million times a day to our family. When they do something wrong or they do something that wasn't real smart, you say, Paul's speaking to Timothy. He goes, he goes Oh, Timothy. Listen to my words, Timothy. It, it's, it's, it's a father speaking to his son. Oh, Timothy, this is what you need to do. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions 
of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Some have overrun their banks, have become a flood, are not going down the river. They've kind of swerved off into a branch of the river that God could care less about. He goes, be careful of that. For some have swerved from the faith. And he finishes by saying, Timothy, grace be with you. Now, I, I want to dissect this a little bit because, because what is Paul saying to Timothy? You may read this and think, okay, that's great. What, what, is it, what does it really mean? Well, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, guard the deposit that was placed within you. Guard it with all your heart. What is that deposit that Paul is speaking about? He's speaking about the gospel message that was deposited within your heart. Now, what is that? Well, the gospel means good news or glad tidings. Remember, angel came to, uh, to the shepherds and we hey, we've got good news, glad tidings that, that, that in Bethlehem there's a, a savior that has been born. They left their, their flocks and they ran to, to see the, uh, the shepherd boy. That was good news, right? The, 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 the gospel message is, is good news. What, what is the good news that we're talking about? Well, it's the good news that Jesus came for sinners. And every single one of us in this room is a sinner. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. Look at them. Tell them. They're a sinner. It's okay. Let's confess it. You're all sinners, including myself, right? That's good. We're purging. We're admitting that we're sinners, okay? So the good news is Jesus came for sinners, which all of you, including myself, are sinners. You're all just bad sinners out there, okay? Including myself, okay? So he came for sinners to save us from the penalty that comes from Disobeying God, which leads to death and hell, Jesus died in our place that through faith in him, we could receive eternal life. Now, is that good news? That, that's good news. So what Paul is saying, listen, guard that deposit that's within you, that, that good news. So Jesus came to serve and not be served and give his life as a ransom. So what Paul is saying to Timothy, he's saying, listen, we need to protect, you need to protect that gospel message at all cost. And, and if we get this right, the result is simple. Because what I'll end up seeing is if I see the grace by which I'm saved, if I see the depths which, which God went to, the length God went to to reach me by his grace, the, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. So I was undesirable. My life, there was nothing righteous within me that could save myself. But God in his grace and mercy, through, through no merit of myself, sent his son because he loved me to die a death that I should have died in my place, that I might receive God's mercy and grace and his gift of eternal life. Can I get an amen? That's good stuff right there. And so if, if I see, listen, guard that message within your heart. Because if I see everything, listen, 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 listen. Okay. If I see everything as a gift, catch this. Here, here's the gospel message that Paul is saying, you need to guard this. If I see everything as a gift out of God's grace, then I see my life as this. I deserve nothing. Every day is a gift. Every breath that I'm given is a gift. Every good thing that comes to me is a gift from God that I don't deserve. It's by God's gracious hand so that I don't get this mentality that I'm owed something. 
I don't get this entitlement mentality that I deserve this because I've done this, that, and the other. When I see my life as a product of, of all of God's grace, then I begin to look at things differently. Now, listen, 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 listen. Now, I love God not for what he can give me, but I love God in response to his wonderful grace that he gave to me through his son. See, my attitude changes. I don't have this entitlement mentality, which causes me to love others who don't deserve it and to serve others as Christ did. And this is what we are to protect at all costs. Because if we swerve from this, which we can easily do as individuals in the church, then what begins to happen, which Pastor Mike said so well last week, if you didn't get the message, please listen to it. You can listen on iTunes or on the website. Please listen to it or get the CD. If, if we don't guard this gospel message, if we don't guard God's grace, that I, that I don't deserve anything, that it's all God's gift to me, that I love God not out of response of what he can do for me, but I love God out of simple response of the grace that he's given to me because I don't deserve it. If I guard that at all costs, then what it's going to help us to do is, is not swerve as a church. Because if we do this, if we get this entitlement mentality, then church becomes all about me. And what, here, here, listen to me closely. When we get off of that, God, by your grace, I'm saved. God, by your grace, you've loved me. By your grace, I am no better than anyone else out in the world. That out of that grace, I need to respond to the world with your love and your mercy and with humility to reach out to the world with your love. The minute we get away from that and we don't guard that is the minute we end up falling into secondary issues. And, and this is what happened to those in Timothy's day. They began to babble about things that just didn't matter to God. And they started to swerve away from that gospel message. They became haughty. They became knowledgeable about what they thought they were knowledgeable about. These were all secondary issues. And, and the church began to sway. And Paul says, listen, don't, don't do that. Now, I want you to notice something here. Paul didn't say that people abandoned their faith. Paul didn't say that people gave up on their faith. All Paul said is that they swerved. They weren't going down the river. They saw a branch and they began to go that way. They got off track. They got distracted. They got away from the gospel message. And what Paul says, don't argue with people with things that just don't matter. If it's not about loving God, if it's not about loving others, if it's not about serving, if you begin to get off on these things, then what's going to happen is you're going to get distracted as church. Now, let me give you some examples here because you're probably thinking, okay, pastor, how can this happen? Well, let me give you a couple examples. We can get off track as a church by simple things like arguing about what version of the Bible you read. Now, I read, I love the ESV. It's the elect standard version. I love that. You can laugh. That's okay. Some people read the NIV. Some people say, well, that's the nearly inspired version. It's kind of short. Some of you are King James only, and you're like, man, we are King James only. I mean, there are times I'll drive. Like I was driving somewhere in the southern tier, and on the front of the sign of the church said, King James only preaching. I don't even know what that means. I guess they speak like, thou shall not doeth this when they preach. I don't know. 
But they let you know that that's it. So God forbid I'd come in with my ESV. I don't know if you have to put the ESV at the door. You're not allowed to even bring it through the door. If you have an NIV, no, they're not allowed. I don't know. See, listen, we can get sidetracked off those things. And guess what? They are arguments that really don't matter. They don't matter. Guess what? Please just read your Bibles. <laughs> That's what I want you to do. I want you to read your Bibles. I want you to study your Bibles. But we can get off on what version is the best and who's. And, 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 and I can sit there and have arguments with me and saying, hey, you know, this version, I can tell you about this, I can tell you about that. And I'll burst your little version bubbles if you want me to burst them for you, because I will. So let's be careful that we don't get sidetracked on those things. We can get sidetracked on end times. You know, just end times is Jesus coming back before the tribulation, during the tribulation, after the tribulation. We have all these end time discussions. And I just tell you all the time, I just believe in the pan theory. It's all going to pan out at the end. All right. And how many know Jesus is coming back? He's coming back. So we need to be ready. Whether it's I have my opinions about those things. And I will say this is my opinion about what I believe about end times. And my opinion is right, by the way. But anyways, but those are my opinions. Okay. So listen, but let's not get in these vain arguments. That's what Paul is talking about. There's these arguments that people get puffed up about these things. And it ends up, what it ends up doing is this. Here's what it ends up doing. Instead of bringing the church together... And rallying around what Jesus Christ did for us. And rallying around that, that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is God. That Jesus died for sinners. That we need to be focused on the lost. That we need to be focused on serving one another. See, those things, listen, those things bring us together. And I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of your pastor. When I see you as a church rally around a funeral. Rally around a school outreach. I'm, I'm, I'm on cloud nine when I see that. Because you know why? There, there, there's such a, you know why there's such unity within that? Because we're all doing the same thing. We're all focused on the same thing. Do you think that any of the 300 people that walked through the doors of our church, that was just kids that walked through the doors of our church last Wednesday, cared about what version of the Bible we read? Really? Do you think anybody that walked through the doors of these church People that are looking for answers and hope really care about end time discussions on what we what our theological slant is about eschatology, which is the study of the end times. Do you think anybody really cares? It's about souls. It's about loving them. It's about reaching out to them with the deposit that Paul says that God has emplaced in Timothy's heart. Guard that. These other things we can have discussions about. That's okay. You can have your opinions and that's okay. And you can be wrong and I can be right. But that's okay. We can have our discussions about those things and that's fine. But you know what? At the end of it all, it doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter. So let's just realize what does matter is how we're loving God, how we're loving one another, and how we're serving. You see, Paul says that, that these believers got sidetracked. They... they, they they, they got distracted. How many of you are like me and you can get easily distracted or your mind wanders? How many of you were like me when you were in school? You just, your mind went every other place and you would doodle on your paper and you would think about other things. And I would, I would doodle motorcycles and dirt bikes and, you know, I wasn't even listening to the teacher. I mean, I, my, I, I mean, I think I would have got diagnosed with ADD, I think, back then. I don't, I don't know. But I read this report and it made me feel a lot better about myself. 
So I read this report by Harvard Gazette, and they published an article about how our minds wander. And this is what they came up with. This is mind-blowing. This is, this is incredible. They said, as they did all their research, they said that 47% of the time, we are not thinking about what we're currently doing. So 47% of you right now have no idea what I just got done talking about five minutes ago. (laughs) Now, that explains a lot of the bad drivers in Rochester for me. But anyways, um, 47%, half of the time, we're not concentrating on what we're doing. Now, Now, here's what they discovered. That our minds, when we're not thinking about what we're doing and we begin to drift, what they discovered is that our minds will drift always to negative things. And they link that with unhappiness and depression. Because what our minds will end up doing is we end up, when we let our minds drift, we end up drifting to negative things, future things, things that may never even happen, which causes unhappiness in our lives. How many of that's ever happened to you? It, it happens to all of us. We, did, we drift and then we think about, like some of you may be sitting here right now and you're like, did I just turn off the stove? Honey, did you leave something on the stove? Is something on the stove? Is something, you know, you ever go somewhere and you think you go on vacation, like, did I turn the stove off? Is my house going to burn down after we leave? And it just ruins your whole vacation, right? I mean, our, our minds just tend to go there. It happens to all of us. You're sitting in church, you're listening to an unbelievable sermon, and your mind wanders, right? Your, your mind begins to wander. And, and did I leave the stove on? Did, did, I, did I lock the doors? Did, did I shut the garage? Did I blah, blah, blah? And see, See, what does this all mean? See, we can wander, because it's a natural proclivity of our, of our minds and our hearts. We can wander from what's most important. And what's most important that should be in our lives and in the, what's most important as our church is just Jesus. We need to focus and center everything on Christ. We need to focus everything about learning about him, living like him, And serving like him. That's the gospel message. That's the deposit that Paul said. Timothy don't get involved in all these futile arguments that mean nothing. Guard the gospel message that's been placed within your heart. And so if we do that we will not wander. And we will not become negative. And we will stay healthy. So how does this practically look? Here's how it practically looks. It's not necessarily about adding more things to our schedule. Even though all those things may be good. Because if they do not fit within our process, then what we can end up doing is adding too many things to our schedule, which burns us all out. And I can remember I was at a basketball game for Wesley a couple years ago, and we were in a gym, a huge gym. It was at Gates Childhood High School. They have a huge gym, and they had four games going on at the same time in the gym. That was mind blowing for me. I could not concentrate on Wesley. You heard people cheering over here who just scored. And I'm looking over and I'm looking at this game and this game over here, you know, Wesley's team's getting blown out by like 80 points. I'm like, okay, that's a waste of time. So I'm going to look over this game. Uh, this game is really close. I'm watching this game over here. And then Kathleen nudged me and said, Oh, Wesley just scored. Oh, okay, good. Now they're only down by, you know, 78 points. Okay. So I'm over here and I'm watching this, this game's a lot. And I couldn't concentrate. There's too many things going on. People screaming, yelling. It's just people walking in front of you to try to get over to the other basketball court and it was just crazy there's way it was way too much stuff going on for me and and listen the same thing can happen in our lives we can we can go to church on sunday bible study personal bible study listen to podcasts and totally forget what we're listening to 
Or we can totally say, what did pa- you, have you ever walked out the door and just say, what did pastor just talk about? Sometimes I do that. What did I talk about, Kathleen, today? I don't even remember. Um, just two hours ago. Listen, our process must be simple and uncluttered so that we can be the most effective disciples, which creates health. And I know some of you feel like me. Sometimes we feel like we're going nowhere fast in a hurry. And that's not good for the disciple of Jesus Christ. And so these are the three things that we must focus on. And so Pastor Mike talked about it so well last week that, that by loving God, we're, we're connecting people to God. And that's one thing that we can do on Sunday morning. We connect people with God on our Sunday morning service. We desire to be a church that reaches souls, not necessarily church people. Sunday morning is when we get together as his body to worship corporately. This is where most people will come for the first time. It's important that we're consistent on our Sunday morning worship because this is a time we can come together as a church, sit under God's word, worship together, pray together. Sunday morning is a a vital, vital, important time in our walk with the Lord where we can express our love for God. This is where we take communion together. We worship together. We sit under the word together. We invite people to try to connect them with God. So this is a great way in how we love God. We don't care who you are, what your background is. We want you to come to hear about God so we can tell you about the love of Jesus Christ and what he did for you. And 85% of the time that people visit a church will be on Sunday morning. 85% of the time. So Sunday morning is vital in connecting people with the love of Jesus Christ. So that's the first step for people. We want to connect them with the love of God. We want to love God. We want to worship God. We want to worship as a community. But what's the next step in connecting others to God? This is what I want to dig into real quick this morning. The next step I want to see for you as a church that, that, that we see is most healthy for your life is, is loving others. And how do we love others? How does that look? Well, we love others by connecting with others through small groups. And this is what I want to hash out today. If we're just coming on Sunday morning, we're going to miss something that's very vital in our spiritual growth. And this statistic was staggering to me. The, the statistic was this. They said that New Christians who immediately become active in a small group are five times more likely to remain in, a, in, in the church five years than those who are active in Sunday morning alone. So what they've discovered is when people come to church on Sunday morning, which is great, but when they get involved in a small group, they're five times more likely to get plugged into that body of believers. And so here's what I want to tell you. This is why we see small groups as so important in connecting with others and loving others. Because I, I, can, I, I cannot completely connect with others in a large group setting. Especially when we're in a church with two services. Very hard. It's more difficult. I cannot, I cannot know others in a large group setting. It's just more difficult. How many know that's true? It's, just, it's, it's more difficult in a large group setting to, 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 to meet people and get to know people. I can't know the needs of others in a large group setting. It's just difficult. And this is what I love about the church. We need to get this mentality that as the church grows, it needs to get smaller at the same time. So you're like, okay, that is a paradox. How does that work, Pastor? How do we grow and then get smaller at the same time? Here's how we do it. By small groups. The larger our church... I mean, I would love to go back to the feeling of when we were a smaller church and everybody knew each other, we're all in the same church. That's a wonderful feeling, but how many know that's just not going to happen? So the way we do that is... By creating small groups and you getting involved in a small group, then as we grow, we get smaller at the same time through small groups. Let me give you an example. Uh, Wednesday nights. 
at our church. We've, we've broken off into discussion groups now. We'll watch maybe, we have different topics. And one of the great topics we talked about last year, we had a marriage seminar. And we had, we had a total of like 130, 140 people come through that marriage seminar. It was great. But what we did was we broke off into table groups and had table discussions. And what I loved about it is my parents loved that. They were just, they loved meeting and getting to know other young couples. My parents had been married 51 years. You think they got some experience under their belt? Let me tell you some stories about them, okay? They do. They've got a lot of experience. They've been married 51 years. And what I loved about this is when they broke off into those small groups, my parents got to know younger couples in the church, got to pray for them, got to know who their kids are. They learned from each other. They were able to share their concerns um, and, and from the lessons that they learned through the discussion that we had. That would never happen if it weren't for what? Small groups. This is our opportunity to love, on, love one another, get to know them. We can pray. Um, Sunday morning is our opportunity to love God corporately and connect others to God. But small groups is our, is our opportunity to love others and to, and to grow together as the family of God. Listen to how the early church did. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says, and, and this is when the church just started, but it said, and day by day, attending the temple together, which would be our large group setting, right? Coming to church. But they did something else. They said they attended the temple and they broke bread in their, where? Homes. It was a smaller group. And they received their food and with glad, with generous hearts. You see, I want you to know something. They met in a large group and then they met in smaller groups by breaking bread together, which means there was a community. It was something more intimate. They were sharing a, a, a love feast, an agape feast, they would call it. A love feast together. They, they were, it was getting smaller. They were getting to know one another. And I want you to see the pattern in the early church. They weren't growing apart. They were growing closer together. And this can only happen when we're in a smaller group setting. Because so many people can feel disconnected in the church. Have you ever felt you came to church and you feel like, I don't know anybody. I may say hi to people and I may say, hey, how you doing? Good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Doing good, brother. And you walk out and you feel just as lonely as you did when you walked in. That ought not be. That shouldn't be. Because if we're connecting with one another, and if we're getting to know one another, and we're connected in a small group, now we're beginning to share each other's needs. We're beginning to open up to one another. We're sharing our, our prayer requests to one another. This was a great pattern. Um, our, our youth and children's ministry, under, under the great leadership of Pastor Jim and Allison, he's, he's implemented small groups into his children's ministry and youth ministry. At... at, at, at at Living Word Kids on Sunday, Pastor Jim and our children break into small groups with, with children's church workers, leading them and having open discussions and praying with them. And youth group, youth leaders lead small groups to get to know the teens and have open discussions about the message and to pray with them and to get to know the teens. Our ladies' Bible study on Thursday, which another session will start this fall, does the same thing. They break into smaller groups and they, have, they discuss and they pray with one another. If someone's sick, they can follow up and care for one another. Our acts groups, which are our home groups that, that small groups meet in homes in our area once a month. They discuss the series on Sunday morning, but they're able to pray with one another. I love you guys. I'm telling you what. I just want to say this. The acts groups in your homes, the ones I've been to, are terrible. No, I'm teasing. They're great. They're unbelievable. They're, you guys pray one another. You read the word together. You know each other's needs. I mean, it is, I'm just blessed every time I leave it because... We're meeting each other's needs through those small groups. It's wonderful. Our, uh, our, our men uh, meet once a month on Saturday mornings. Once again, get in small groups, 
discuss, pray with one another. We have a men's group that meets on Thursday morning at 6.30 every single Thursday. And it's amazing how I've seen these guys grow and we pray for each other's needs and they reach out to one another. I've seen men open up with their weaknesses. I've seen them help one another. Whether it's moving or needed someone to pray with them or seeing someone in the hospital, they meet each other's needs because they're in that small group. And what I want to do for today is how I want to close the service. I, I want to give you a personal testimony of someone that came to our church who, who was invited um, by his son to come to our church. And, um, and what I love about this person is I've, I've seen the Lord transform their lives through their walk with Jesus Christ. And they started coming on Sunday morning. They reached out to Christ. Christ touched their hearts. And you can see God growing in their lives. And the wonderful thing that I love about this man is that I, I saw him get to grow from coming Sunday morning to getting involved in a small group and, and seeing God do great things in his heart. But I, I want you to hear his testimony on how God touched him by, by him taking that next step and getting involved in a small group, how God touched his heart to grow in the Lord by taking that next step and seeing how the body of Christ can love one another through the opportunity of being involved in a small group. So go ahead and look at the screens at this time. I grew up Catholic, uh, and I've been Catholic for many years, and also Lutheran. We were searching, searching for a church, searching for uh, something that we can really sink our, t our teeth into. My son came to us one day and he said, you know, Dad uh, and Mom, uh, why don't you try this church out? It's a little different from the churches we've gone to in the past, um, and, but it's really, really good. Great people, great pastor. But he said, i got to warn you, Dad. <laughs> uh, the pastor cries sometimes when he says a sermon. We came. And lo and behold, the <laughs> pastor cried. Um, and we, uh, we listened to the sermon. What we really left with was the fact that he was very passionate. Um, and we could sense the love of Christ in the whole sermon. Uh, but most of all, what we left was the fact that uh, the gospel was, was given to us. And I know Arlene and I talked about it afterwards, and that gospel message uh, was something we really never heard before in its entirety and in the context that it was given to us. That left an impression. So we came back, and we came back, and we came back again. I heard about the men's group uh, on Thursday morning, so I went. Went on a Thursday morning. Uh, and I tell you, after that, I was hooked. I learned that these guys, they were just like me. So I learned. I learned that that was a good place. That was a place where I can learn the Word, and I can learn to love God. And everybody did care. I can, I can vouch for that, because I did get about of cancer, prostate cancer. And I remember one day going and I mentioned it to the guys and I said, Joe, we're gonna pray for you. And also learned that being a father, being a husband was extremely important. And all these guys that were sitting with me, they felt the same way. 
and that sharing of that was 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 uh, was great for me because again that helped me in how I dealt with my family and, and my wife. The other thing is uh, going through all of this, I felt you know this is great for me. It's satisfying for me. But what about my wife? I mean, she needs support. She needs to be part of the group. So how do we do that? Well, the X group came up, and the X group uh, seemed to be a a good opportunity to meet people, to learn the Word of God, you know, and to share. And I thought, well, we're going to go to this X group, and there's going to be people there that can recite verse by verse, you know. And I go, oh, no, well, we don't know that. So we went, and guess what? They're just like us. Everybody is just like us. Uh, some people knew more about the Word, and some people knew less. But we all were there with one common core, and that was to learn the Word. And you know what this did? It exponentially helped us to know more and more and more people in the church as part of the congregation. Um, and that was great for us. Instead of just sitting there on Sundays alone together, you know, worshiping God, but not really worshiping as part of a family, this helps us to do that. It really did help us to do that. So I thank God for all of this. Um, this has been a—it's it's been a wonderful experience for me, uh, and uh, I'd recommend it to anybody else that wants to become part of the church and become part of uh, a wonderful um, relationship with God. Good, good, good. almost started crying during that video. I'm going to hold back. You see, that, that is exactly what we want to see. You had somebody that came in that enjoyed the service that came, but really began to feel plugged in when they got to know their people. And I love what Joe said there, that he really began to feel part of the family of God, even though he's part of the family of God, is when he got to know the family of God. And sometimes for us, I think we live in, and how many know this, that you were growing up as a kid, you always had the, the porches in the front of the house. And the, you know what the reason for that was? It's so that you could see your neighbors walking by. Hey, how you doing? Come on over. I've got some crumb cake. I got coffee. Come on, talk to me. But what do we do now? We have our garage door openers. You slip in the garage, shut the door, and all our decks are in the back of the house now. So we don't have to deal with the neighbors, right? You see, we kind of live in a world where we shelter ourselves. And we're, we're so afraid about becoming vulnerable that we're afraid that we're going to get judged. And, and that was Joe's apprehension until he realized that everybody else was like him. That opened up a whole new world. And now what I see in their lives is they're involved, they're part of the church, they're part of the outreaches, and you see them growing in the Lord. That's a healthy life. Those are the things that we want to keep, keep the main things at Living Word. And that's our prayer for you. That if you've not taken that next step, my prayer for you is that you would take that next step. That you would allow yourself to become maybe a little vulnerable, Maybe to get to know some new people. Maybe to...
dive into a small group Bible study. That may be over your head, but that's okay because there's probably going to be somebody sitting right next to you that, that probably needs to learn too. And the reason why we offer these things to you is because we want you to experience the same thing that Joe and Arlene experienced in our church and the growth that happens. Those, this, what Joe just talked about is what gets me so excited as a pastor. When I see people growing in the Lord and then I see people reaching out to one another. You know, sometimes I'm just driving around in town. I'm driving in and, and one time I was driving around town and I saw somebody within our church, two people that were involved in a small group, somebody needed help at their house. And I saw that person, it was mentioned in the Thursday morning, I saw that person at their house helping them. Because a need was mentioned in a small group. And that person stepped up and said, I can help you with that. I'll help you with that. Or someone needed to move in a small group and we can help you with that. Needs were being met. People were loving one another. Christ was being glorified. And that's my prayer for you. So let me pray for you. And, and let me pray that God would help you maybe to take that next step. And uh, we're going to continue to talk about this in the next two weeks on how you specifically can get plugged in. But we want you to get plugged into these small groups and taking that, that next step. So let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your church. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to be alone. That, Lord, I know sometimes we can come to church and we can feel all by ourselves and even leave the same way. But, Lord, that's, that's not what you desire. That's not what the church is for. That we're to, as the early church, they, they worshiped together, but then they grew together. And that happened when they broke bread together in their homes. And I pray that that would happen in our lives, that we would take that next step, that become vulnerable maybe. Some of us are you know, apprehensive about doing this, but I pray, God, that you would give us boldness and strength to take that next step, to see how important it is to get to know the body of Christ so that we can love one another. And so, Lord, I pray that for every individual here today. Lord, I thank you so much for living word. I thank you for, your, for its people, God. And I pray for our church, God, that as we continue to move forward, that we would make the main thing the main thing, that we would keep Jesus at the center of all we do and all we talk about, that we would love you with everything we have, that we would love one another, that we would please you in what we do, Jesus, that we wouldn't get sidetracked on secondary issues that really don't matter to salvation, that we would guard our hearts from that, just as Paul encouraged him to guard that deposit that was within his heart and not to get sidetracked, not to swerve on, on just babble that is meaningless. So, Lord, protect our hearts from that. We thank you, Lord, for every individual here. And I just pray a blessing over their lives, over their families, God. And I thank you for the grace that you give us each and every day. And we just want to be careful to ask all these things. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said.